Welcome to the next episode of the Memories of Compton Bees podcast. And it's again with me, Martin Coleman. And when I first mentioned the podcast, so many people got in touch with me to give me names of riders that they'd love to hear about from their time at Brandon. And this guy certainly appeared at the top of the list of many people that uh, contacted me. And I'm delighted to say that I'm catching up today with uh, none other than Billy Gennaro. Billy, how are you keeping? Oh, pretty well, man. Pretty well. Just hanging in there. Trying to get over this COVID crap. I was going to say, how is it? How has uh, COVID affected you guys over there? Uh just slowed everything down a lot, and all these stupid rules. And and uh, other than that, I, I haven't lost too much time at work, you know. And you, uh, you and the family, keeping okay? Yeah, we got a roof overhead, so we're doing all right. Good, good. So, uh, like I said, when when uh, I mentioned the podcast and and people were getting in touch with me, they were they were keen to li- to listen to it. You know, many of the guys that, that rode on the show over the last few years, and your name was at the top, Billy. And you were you were a very popular guy, Brandon. I don't know if you realised just how popular you were in the time there, but I just want to get some of your your thoughts and your memories of your your time at the club and and going back to you know twenty years ago now. Would you believe two thousand and one and we we'd managed to see Greg and Billy together for a couple of years and then in 2001 the club decided to to bring a young american over 21 year old at the time and uh, and Billy Gennaro rocked up on the shores how uh, how did the move to Compton come about I was 20 actually 20 and, uh, too old <laughs> and I was racing in the states and and uh Billy and Greg just started doing the nationals again i guess so uh, I met Billy at, at a race over there, and then next thing you know, he, he's him and Greg are calling me up, asking me to come check it out. And I went over on the tail end of 2000, um, right at the last, I went to, I think, the Olympic and stuff like that. Um, so that's how it got started. And and was it was it easy to to sort of do a deal to move over to the UK? Obviously, you'd have to pretty much pack everything up and come over. How was it for for obviously somebody so young to uh, to just ship up and, and move over to the UK? Yeah, you know, I was just you know a couple of years out of high school because we graduated eighteen in America. So uh, when I did that, I I just got a job working with my dad and and. Um, this racing thing you know got a contract to race in england so i was like let's move over there so i actually brought my girlfriend over at the time and uh i remember my i get off the plane and and colin pratt and jan shepherd were there i lived with jan at the time when i my first year racing over there yeah um we went back to her place she she threw me the keys and said, here you go. I got to go to work. <laughs> so my first hour in England I was spent driving back to the, to Jan's house. And then uh, after that, she left. So it was kind of crazy. And um, what we, uh, what we probably move over to, uh, to England, but to just get dropped off at a house and say, here you go. <laughs> And what were your first thoughts of Pratty, Billy, when you met him? He's somebody that you spent a lot of time with over in the UK. What were your, your first thoughts of Colin when you met him? 
I had met him uh, the year prior, so a uh, pretty cool guy, you know. Me and Pratty always got along. Um, we have a, a long history of playing with each other, messing back and forth, so good guy. Yeah, really good guy. So when you when you got to, to Jan, I mean, Jan, was, was she based sort of where, Tamworth Way or, or Atherston Way? Whereabouts were you, were you residing at that time? Uh, it was in Hells Owen. It was, you know, the black country. Yeah. I lived, uh, I think it was about five or ten minutes from Mary Hill. So my my very first probably couple hours in this country, um, me and my girlfriend at the time, Elizabeth, we, we went out to uh, to a pub and had some lunch. And afterwards, I hopped back in the van and, and doing about three, four, five miles an hour, getting to a head-on collision with another car. <laughs> I was driving on the wrong side of the road. Went to, went to lunch and forgot. <laughs> what a way to welcome you to the UK that was. Yeah. First day having to file an insurance claim. <laughs> <laughs> And and when did you um when did you first get to to see Brandon as a as a stadium Billy was that obviously practice or did you manage to get over there before then? I went over there the like I said the tail end of two thousand season and uh, yeah and went in and checked it out and seen it and I went to a couple of tracks Wolverhampton I think uh, Oxford maybe I don't remember a few years ago now. And when you when you rock up on the on the first night, um, lining up for the for the club, um, it was probably freezing because it normally was back in, in March time, uh, Brandon. But do you have any do you have any memories at all of your of your first sort of lineup on the night? What did you you feel about the stadium? It had been under lights quite looked quite amazing when the lights were on at Brandon. What were your sort of first thoughts of your your first meeting? Well, I mean, we've always raced over here just at Auburn and stuff like that. And it's nothing compared to that, especially like you said, at night with all them lights on, it just, it looks amazing. So uh, it was definitely heart pounding at the time, you know, it's a new experience living in another country and, um, and racing for a new club. It was pretty yeah. exciting. And what were, what sort of support did you get from, from Billy and Greg? Did they, did they sort of take under their wing and help you or did they sort of, they'd had to deal with being dropped in in the UK before? Did they sort of let you try and, and survive on yourself? No, I, I was actually very lucky. Greg and Billy both offered me uh, to use their their garages as um, places to work on bikes and stuff, you know, just to learn. And uh, I was working at Greg's for the first little bit, and then Billy offered me to use his, so... When I when I did that, it was literally only ten minutes from my house instead of I think I was driving like forty five minutes to to Tamworth for Mail Zone. Yeah, that's without traffic on the M five. <laughs> British traffic. Um, so, what, how did you find in in your first obviously first few meetings? I mean, you you won your first race of the year at Wolverhampton, a track that you'd, you'd been to before. But what did you? How did you find that the British tracks? I mean, you had completely different ones you had like eastbourne which were probably similar in in size maybe not shape to the, to the ones in america but then you had the big flat out ones like peterborough how, how did you uh, how did you find them uh you know they're twice three four five times as big as the tracks in america so it was kind of uh, a wake-up call every track 
even if I went there, you know, twice or three times, it was still, it, it was all new to me, you know, racing these big yeah. tracks. I, I've done a couple of treks to Europe a couple of years before, but uh, nothing like racing, you know, twice a week, three times a week on these big tracks. It was definitely a, a big eye opener for me. Yeah. And, and uh, Dylan, Dylan Roman's coming over to race, I guess, for the, the Plymouth Gladiators. And, and he's going to have a, a, an awkward time racing over here, you know, just learning all these big tracks. Because the biggest track we have in America is Paris, and it's only like 200 meters. Wow. Quite a big difference. So he's you, you've mentioned Dylan that's coming over, and he's um he's teaming up with with Crumpy, which will be a quite a good thing to to ride with somebody with such uh, much experience as what Jason Crump's got. Yeah, no, it's always good racing with somebody who's who's uh, got a lot of experience. Like my first rate, my first year at Coventry, I had Greg, Billy, Lee Richardson, Andres Janssen. I mean, two under twenty one world champions and two world champion so a lot of experience and and how did you settle in with i mean you mentioned billy and greg but you know you you probably had a a bit of an issue understanding anything that robbo said with his accent but how did you get on with like robbo lee and aj the, the guys in that team for the first year well i met lee in australia in 99 we went over for the ivan major tour and uh that was pretty cool learned a lot there so it was easy, you know. Andreas always spoke really good English. Lee, Lee was obviously from the London area, so he spoke well. It was easy, but Robo, Robo was a tough one, man. <laughs> Definitely, and he's still he's still similar now, Billy. He's still similar now. It still takes a while to understand him. <laughs> um, and and in that in that first year, you you finished, um, you finished your first year with just over five point average. Did you? Did you set yourself any sort of targets when you came over? Were you, were you hoping to get five, maybe a bit more, or was it just a case of, of see where you landed? It was literally see where you landed. You know, I I had no uh, clue how things were going to work out over there because it was just so different than the American Speedway. So just had to figure it out on my own and uh, and hope for the best. And, and I've been in touch with uh, some friends of ours people that we both know. I mean, the, the Shepherd family that have, have played a big part in your, your time when he was over here. And Jamie kind of gave me a, a couple of uh, interesting points and stuff. And at the end of that that season, you, uh, you were called up late to the, the World Team Cup in Poland because you, you weren't originally uh, scheduled and uh, you was asked to take part. But I think it was uh, a bit of a, a late call up and you, you wanted to go out and do a good job, didn't you? Yeah, we're talking about a late call up. We're in the race Ipswich. Um on Thursday night, and that's when I had to, the, you know, them telling me, hey, we need you in Poland, so uh, I had the company, uh, the Coventry van, and I don't think that would have made it to Poland and back, <laughs> so Andreas Janssen was uh, renting a van, and he goes, here, just take this one, so ended up taking me and Mick, I think Jamie might have came, we all just hopped in the van, and and went straight to Poland from Ipswich yeah, with no extra clothes or nothing. We were there for at least a week or so. And and you've you mentioned you mentioned Mick and Jamie. I mean, these sort of guys that have been 
um, in in the speedway circles for a long time, and such a good family to to be involved with with uh, with all the help they give you. Oh yeah, no Mick and Jamie and Tommy and all of them, man, they're, they're great people. Couldn't ask for better people. That's that's good. We, we all agree. We get on well with them. So we we get to the end of your first year, Billy, and then. Um, a deal is made to to come back. How easy was it to to get a deal done? Was it sort of done pretty early? Did you did you go back to America early, or did you stay in the UK for the winter? What did you end up doing? No, I only stayed over one year just to try it out, and uh, I wouldn't want to do that again. <laughs> <It was laughs> but uh, no, it was pretty easy. Um, I actually think I had a deal together before I left. I don't know. I've, because throughout the years, it was a bit different. Sometimes it would yeah. be, you know, before I left. Sometimes it would be um, a month before I came back. It all depends on how Pretty felt that, that month. And and when you came back for um, your second season, 2002, I mean, you had a, a really improved season. You know, you added nearly two points to your average and you went to certain away tracks and really improved on your score but it was it was at Brandon that you really started to to find your feet and it I guess second season you, you've put into practice what you'd learned from the year before yeah I always liked the grippier tracks so uh, anytime we went to a, cra- a track and it was grippy I always had a good time when it was slick that's when I struggled a little bit so uh, yeah it was good to go away to to places like Rye House or not Rye House um, can't remember the track's name. It closed down a couple of years ago near London. Um, arena. Oh, Arena. Arena. So, so arena and Eastbourne, because that was smaller, smaller tracks. So uh, yeah. I preferred the, the smaller tracks compared to like Peterborough. And it, I don't want to sort of skip through the first couple of years, but obviously we've got some, some more memorable things to talk about a, a bit later on. But um, you managed to to get the team. The team were looking in quite a good position for the league, and then some uh, some controversy towards the end, where yourself, Billy, and uh, and Fish had to go back to to the USA for your mandatory visit, and just at the time when they got to the semi-finals. And I know that at the time that annoyed the bullet in particular about the fact that he had to go back and and miss out on the on the chance of winning the league. Yeah, in retrospect, we should have just stayed for that because. We might have done pretty good in that, especially at Wolverhampton. I think is what it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, but if you had have stayed, would you would you have given a fine, I guess, or a ban? What would have happened? Um, I think I got one fine for missing a race, and it was, I think it was a thousand dollars. Wow. From AMA, and and I didn't have to pay that. They just said, you know, don't do this again. So, um, it's pretty crazy how. Um, nowadays they don't really care, you know. Yeah. But back then they they were all butthurt over it, wanted it back there, and uh, that was just part of the rules, you know. We when we signed contracts, yeah. it said that we had to go back for the nationals and um, and so many so many just meetings. Yeah. And and you decided then uh, another deal was fine. You were you were back in the Midlands again, two thousand and three. Um, again, you you know 
looking and you improved your average, you're now over seven points. And you, you must have started then to, to feel quite settled being at, at Brandon for, for a third season. Yeah, no, it was a great club to be a part of. Um, the Trees were, were great owners. They always treated everybody really well. But when Sandu came in, he just took over. He was the ultimate boss, man. Yeah. for a better Boston Sandu. And, and we'll uh, we'll get on to, to Sandu in a bit because obviously you had some real success uh, in the era that Sandu was in charge at the club. But uh, 2003, um, you, you, d- you did a season in Poland for, for Zielona Gora. And, uh, and again, thanks to for Jamie. But he mentioned that it was a bit of an eye-opener on your first uh, trip out there with, he was out on practice and, and they didn't seem happy with your speed. But you were... Uh, you soon came out and beat Thomas Gollop from the back in your first race. What was it like riding over there back in, in 2003? Like I said, that, that's another eye-opener. The, the tracks from from Poland to England are, are once again, way bigger. So uh, when you go to Poland, it's all about the speed and and horsepower and and weight and all that. So I was a bigger guy, so... We went over to uh, to Kresko, Slovenia, and uh, the pole Polish team brought us out there, and uh, they went and practice. And I guess they weren't impressed with the speed, but uh, they gave me a shot. And, and my very first race in in Poland, uh, it was me, Billy, Todd Wilcher, and uh, and Thomas Golov, and yeah. Passed him on the outside, I think, on the first lap and went on to win the race. And the whole crowd went wild, man, because we were racing at home. So it was pretty amazing. And with the with the trip out to Poland, obviously, um, you know, plenty of traveling back then. Obviously, although flights were still around, there's probably, I mean, how many times did you go out by, by van? Did you go out by van at all? Or was it mainly just sort of flying in and out? No, because I raced in Sweden at the same time. So, uh, I was just flying in and out. I had a bike over there and had a guy helping me out and um, pretty good little deal. It's just uh, it's tough racing over there. Yeah. And at, at that point, Billy, how far did you think you, you could go? Did you, you was obviously averaging over seven points in the UK and, um, you know, you you getting mentioned abroad and, and that sort of thing. Sort of, how far did you think you, you could go in terms of like world championship? Oh, it, Tell you the truth, I never even hardly ever thought about that. I uh, I just wanted to do the best I could and uh, try not to get hurt because when you crash some things, they hurt. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know everybody wants to be a world champion, but uh, it was tough, you know, especially being a bigger guy. You know, uh, I, I had my times, but uh, it was fun. Yeah, and and you were certainly somebody by that point, the third year that you know the the crowd at Brandon really taken to you, and you had some uh, really good performances in in a new competition that they brought in the British League Cup, where a couple of the big guys were left out, and you became number one, and pretty much you only dropped a couple of points all season in that competition. Did that did riding against sort of the the lower end riders just boost your confidence? Was it a case of earning easy money, or did you did you use it as a, a sort of a testing arena? Uh, it was actually pretty good because we got to race all these different tracks that uh, we normally don't get to race. Like Sheffield was a good track. Um, yeah, no, it was just uh, 
it was kind of a money maker slash uh, confidence booster. You know, it must have not been good for the, the lower league guys getting beat up all the time. But uh, I guess if they had a good meeting, it'd be a positive too. Yeah, and and the team very nearly um, got your first piece of silverware that year, just losing out in the in the league finals against Paul, who had people like Lee Adams and Tony Ricardson. Uh, Antonio Limbach had just come over as well, but it, it was probably to set the scene for what was to come a, a couple of years after. But you, you had a couple of scrapes and and you know a couple of well well publicised scrapes with Nicky Pedersen and, and and you've also had a few tangles with Freddie at that time, who uh, always seemed to have a a bit of a beeline for you, didn't he, on the track? Yeah, that's racing, I guess. You know, uh, I was actually teammates with Nicky and. In Sweden, and uh, he was actually the funniest guy to to hang out with, because because he loved that people hated him. Man, he would he would wave and smile and piss him off even more. Great trucks <laughs> and stuff like that, and uh, he was a funny guy. And and the the GP you actually got to um, the GP challenge that year, which is why I mentioned about obviously as far how far do you think you could go and only just missed out. Do you think if you'd have qualified for the GP Challenge that the, the Grand Prix would have been a, a step too far or would you uh, would you have been able to, to take that step up, do you think? It would have been a challenge, you know, uh, but yeah, I could have beat them guys on on my day, you know. Um, never know about a world championship, but uh, yeah, it would have been fun to, to at least give it a go, but uh, missed out by a couple of spots and uh, that's life. Yeah. And then the, the next year, I'm going to quickly rattle through before we get to your first title year, 2004. And you once again, you improve your average, Billy. You go to literally just under eight points. You're scoring double figures. But that was also the year you had your first real spell out the side through injury. What What were you like when you were injured? Are you one of these riders that, that doesn't mind being at the stadium? Or would you rather not be there when there's a meeting going on that you can't take part in? No, I always showed up. I, I didn't I didn't mind that at all. I like going to the track and hanging out and watching the races. Good, good. And then during that season we the the, the club itself had a bit of a poor season before before Sandu came in, but uh, Peter Oakes came in uh, and I know that he he's always talked quite fondly of you as well and quite highly of you and um you got any memories of, of Peter coming in? What was he like in terms of a a manager was he different to Pretty? Uh, no, they were both pretty mellow guys. He uh, he was a pretty interesting guy, you know. He he always knew all the stats and and uh, what we what we should do, you know. Especially for the monthly averages, he'd always come in and, and tell us, you know, if we wanted to stay down at reserve or move up or whatever, he'd always tell us, hey, you need to score this amount of points or or whatever it was just to uh to keep your average in a good spot for the club so and then and then the big shock for for most beast fans at the start of 2005 that there's no billy janeiro um at what point did you know that you you wouldn't be back and how, how sort of late did you do a deal to go to peterborough it was pretty late where i figured that out and uh the Peterborough thing just happened so fast it, it was almost like didn't know what was going on um, but 
yeah, I actually think I just got out of the knee surgery or something a couple months before. And I think it was press and practice, I think it was, where I uh, I went out without a steel shoe on and went around the corner and hurt my knee again and and uh, something else happened. So uh, I didn't last at Peter Bear very long. I think I did like four matches for him. And then uh, I got traded to Coventry for Dremel. Yeah, and and what a what a move that became because you you came into a into a team that that um, Scotty uh, had been signed. Uh, Bomber was there for his second season. Um, two obviously British guys who were, who were beginning to make their their way in the sport, and and it eventually moving back in to the side ended with the with your first league title with the club, which was. Uh, I remember a fabulous night at Bellevue with with thousands of Bees fans up there, and and like you say, you mentioned Sandu. Um, you know what what was it like to sort of ride under under that sort of management? What sort of relationship did you have with him? Uh, he he was a hands on guy. He uh, he had you know everybody doing everything for him, but he always wanted to be there, always helping out. You know he brought a he brought a doctor in, and uh, he would you know do our backs you know he would give us massages you know if we needed some fluid drained off our knee we'd go to his office and sandy was always looking out for us so uh yeah i mean that guy has done a lot for for speedway and and for coventry bees when he was there um he wanted to win though he 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 did not like losing Which I guess that that's the mentality of most of the riders that are on the track as well, isn't it? You, you don't go out there to come last. You go out there to try and take a checkered flag and, and exactly. entertain. So uh, that's why when you had a bad spell, he would he, he would never give up on you. He, he always gave you a chance. And uh, some guys he gave too too big of a chance to. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, another another season. This time you came back with the Bees, Billy, two thousand and six. A bit more silverware, and um, Rory came back into the side. And, and I caught up with Rory. Actually, did a, an episode with him a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned a story that I've not heard before, which which was fabulous. And he mentioned about you um, you stuffing him into his kit bag that he'd got. He got a free kit bag that was massive, and he said that you were complaining it was too big. And one week you just jumped him and, and put him in his kit bag and wheeled him out into the pits and. Uh, Stories like that show what sort of what sort of team spirit you had at the at the track at that time. Yeah, no, we always had a good time, and I remember stuff of Rory in that. Like, um, <laughs> I used to have a fog machine, and uh, I would I would fog out the whole pit, and not whole pit, the whole uh, locker room where you couldn't even see an inch. Of his face. <laughs> and so all these guys were trying to take showers and get dressed and. And you can't see anything. It was, it was horrible. It was funny. <laughs> and that and that was a part of it, Billy. You were you were a fan's favourite. You know, always had time for the fans, especially um, when when the meetings had finished and lots of young kids and one of their pictures, photos, and and catching up. And and that was sort of what moved us on to two thousand and seven, which goes down in the in the history of the club as as one of the best seasons ever. That the treble. Um, and and we made a change again, uh, personnel-wise, midway through. And another rider that's always been classed as a, a big entertainer and a, and a team spirit is Steve Johnston, and uh, and he came in and and sort of helped propel the team to 
to trophy after trophy and, and what a what a sort of team spirit you had no, that year. That was an awesome year. Um, I'll never forget that year because that was unreal how good you know we were, especially away from home. I don't know how many we won on the in a row away from home, but it was definitely a record that year. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there was something, some like ridiculous eighteen or nineteen meetings to, in a, in a row or something. But what, um, yeah, what what was it like with um, with Scotty and Bomber who were who were vying to be number one? But that that helped, you know, propel the team forward because you had two guys that were going out there to try and be number one and scoring big points, which which took a bit of pressure off of the rest of the guys. But yourself, Jono, Martin Smolinski, that you know, all chipped in with, with big points. Yeah, you know, everybody, like you said, we all go out there to lose. So uh, every race you can get first or second, especially behind your teammate, was always a good race because uh, a paid win is just as good as a regular win. And and that's a, a nickname that you were given, Billy, the bonus point king. Um I think in in that season, I think you scored well over a hundred bonus points, and and it was always something that people looked out for on the track. That you was always there to try and protect your teammate, to to try and get the team over the line with the victory at the end. What was it? Did you go out on track thinking, you know, team ride first, and then and or, or was it to go out and try and win the race, and then and then change your plan if you weren't at the front? No, usually when I was either winning or or you know second, and I had my teammate behind me. If they were close, I was letting them win. That way, my average stayed down, and it was easy for me to get a team next year. So it was kind of a <laughs> win-win each way. Definite, definite win-win. And then you, after that fabulous treble, um, another season, which ended up being your last season, two thousand and eight, um, which was quite a quite a, a big season for you individually. But another fourth year straight silverware with the the Craven Shield and winning six trophies in your time at the club showed that what a successful time in the club's history was there. Um, but for you, that was the first year of your, your first of, what is it now, an amazing 11 national titles you've got? Yeah, no, I got 10. 10. Were you going to win the 11th then? Right. <laughs> well, what was it like that first, that first victory in, in, the, uh, in the American Championship? You know, I had gotten second so many times because because uh, racing Billy and Greg for it every time, you know, it, it was tough with those guys. So, uh, actually, 2013 was probably my favorite year winning the Nationals because uh, me and Billy went into the very last race tied on points. And neither of us needed to win the race. We just had to beat the other rider. So, uh, And I remember so clearly uh, I picked gate four thinking Hamill was going to pick gate one. You know, so because Billy was such a great gator, and uh, he didn't. Because usually, if you're going to race over at Auburn, you pick either gate one or gate four for the final. And I picked gate four, so I'm guessing he's going to pick gate one. And next thing you know, he picks gate three right next to me. So, uh, so I had <laughs> to uh, outgate him and beat him in that race to win it. So that was a, a very special year for me. And and with um with obviously you finishing in the UK billion and going back, you you've mentioned like you say you got you got ten titles now. So um racing is still a very big part of your of your life out there. And is it something that you 
have you been more successful because it's it, it's sort of a something that you you've won the titles you, you're there to be shot out what gives you that sort of you know I'm the man to beat and I'm going to try and 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 keep my my titles and keep myself at the top what sort of what sort of attitude do you have to you racing over there I literally just race to have fun you know um I make yeah. a little bit of money over here racing not nearly as much as over there but uh but I I don't do it for the national titles I do it because I enjoy racing so uh if the nationals weren't there I'd still be racing just as hard you know I, I don't I don't give none of these kids an inch it's crazy I'm 40 years old and I'm racing all these kids that are you know, back then they were 18, 19. They're all about 21 now. I think Max Max Rumble's about 24. So, uh, yeah, these kids are definitely learning, giving me a run for my money nowadays. And it still gives you great, great pleasure and pride when you, you cross that finishing line and turn around and they can see this this old guy in front of them that's still pulling the shapes and making the moves to, uh, to take the checker flag. You know, uh, but it's also just equally just as disappointing when they beat me, you know, because you, you try so hard and, and they're out there just cruising around making me look stupid. But uh, now we have a lot of fun racing over here with these kids. Um, they've gotten so good over the last few years. It's uh, They're now making it real, real hard for me. Yeah. And and we've we've seen people like Luke Becker over here in the last few years, and you mentioned Dylan coming across. So, um, what what sort of compared to where you were back in two thousand and one, what what's the sort of standard? Do you think it's of a? Do you think the American guys coming through of a higher standard now? Or have they still got oh, a bit of way to go? They got a lot of a, a higher standard, but the the differences in track is is where it gets us, you know. So, I think Max Rommel can yeah. come over there right now and uh, and be and do pretty good. When he when he came over a few years ago, I think it was about four years ago. He doesn't wasn't quite ready, but uh, if he gave it another shot, yeah. he'd have a bit more success. Yeah. And and in terms of your your overall time in the UK, Billy, I mean, there's you know there's some great stories that you've got, and um, you know you, you've had you've had sort of things in the past, things like you you had a bit of a staged sort of fight with Shane Parker just to try and get the crowd going and, and stuff like that. You was always out to sort of entertain the public, yeah, weren't you? you know, I, I don't know if you remember, but do you remember when Ryan Fisher was racing for us and uh, and if he had a bad race, he'd come in and tackle his toolbox or, or you know, just crazy <laughs> stuff like that. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Fish didn't like using, didn't he? He was uh, he used to wear his uh, heart on his on his helmet, as they say. He used to come in and kick things around. <laughs> I remember the funniest thing ever happened. He, he got tired of tackling his toolbox and ruining his own stuff, so he he figured out it was costing him money to do stuff like that. So so he'd come in at, at the end and he'd start punching himself in the face, and next thing you know, he had black <laughs> eyes and going up the races with black. <laughs> <laughs> the stories like that would keep me alive, man. I love stuff like that. And, and and it makes you look back on your time that you spent in the UK and in Europe with fondness. It's something that you, you're really oh, glad course, you did. You know, uh, and I'm glad I spent a lot of it with with uh, Ryan Fisher and Billy Hamill and uh, 
people like that. Just learning a lot. Jamie, Dean. Um, just all those guys. Rob. And and when you were here, I know um I know at one point you were you decided to try out the uh, the English football. Um and I know you went to a couple of games. I think you came to a game in Coventry once and I think you even went to a, a playoff game in Cardiff yeah, to watch Birmingham. Birmingham versus Sunderland, I think is what it was. And and that was actually a really good match because I think there was like eighty eight thousand people at Cardiff and uh they had them split in half, man, and they would sing songs back and forth and and uh and the game came down to penalties. It, it was awesome, you know, and then afterwards there's there's fifty thousand people in the pubs and in the streets right ne- next to the place. So it was it was definitely amazing. And and just just one thing before we get on to the stadium, Billy, I, I want you to um without landing yourself into any trouble, talk to me about the night where you, you couldn't get your van out of Wolverhampton Stadium. Um because when I, when I heard about this, it was something that I, I definitely want to talk to you about. Um, can you remember yeah, much we, about uh, that night? We got to Wolverhampton Lake that night, so and my dad was there, and, and man, that was a wild night. So uh, we're in the bar hanging out, and I ended up having to park across the street in in the neighbor's parking lot. They had a overflow parking across the street you paid money for. So... Uh, so we come out of the pub, and, or I mean the bar at Wolverhampton, and we're the last ones to leave like we usually were, and uh, and the, the fence was locked. So I had a bright idea, let's just try ramming the van through the, so I hopped the fence, got the van, started pushing against it, and it wasn't working. So uh so I parked the van and I hopped the no, I parked the van and all of a sudden cops came. So I hopped the fence. I'm sitting on the curb and and next thing you know, the cops are like, Hey, was that you in there? And I'm like, Yeah. So I ended up going to jail that night. And it was actually pretty funny because because I was talking to them about Speedway. So they they didn't make me take off my shoes and because I guess in in England they make you take off your shoes so you don't hang yourself with your laces out in front of all the jail yeah. cells with everybody's shoes. They didn't. I signed an autograph for a couple people. And it was pretty pretty funny. <laughs> they didn't let me. They didn't let me out till like so even... five in the morning. I think Dad and Craig or Billy Hill wow. mechanics came and picked me up. <laughs> Even popular with the police in Wolverhampton, then that, that yeah. shows what a guy you were, Bill. Ended up be like nine hundred, a thousand so pounds you... to to fix that guy's fence too. <laughs> so you, you've obviously seen the um, the sad news of, of Brandon, and you you'll have seen it online that it's been it's been closed now for for a few seasons. Um, what uh, what what are your final thoughts on on the big old place and? And, and your, your sort of memories of, of the track well, and, and how it was. It, I always talked about selling it or, you know, something for to build houses on. And uh, so we always thought it might happen. And then when it really did happen, it was uh, quite sad, you know, having to watch it deteriorate into the, to the state it is today. 
and it, it's certainly somewhere that that holds a, a lot of memories for you and obviously a lot of people that are going to listen to this to this podcast so um j- just a couple of final questions i mean what what was it like for you locally in, in the uk to get sponsorship while you were here did you have any any sort of decent sponsors that jumped on board do you have anybody that supported yeah, you throughout your whole time Steve, here uh, from Keymore imaging he he always helped me out a very lot and and he was a a big influence on my racing over there and he always kept me positive and uh, he was a great guy. And and do you keep in touch with people like Fish and, and Billy and Greg? Do you, do you speak yeah, to them every regularly? Every time I see Greg in LA because he goes to a lot of the races now that his kids race in. So, uh, so I always see Greg there. Billy mm-hmm. lives, you know, an hour and a half, two hours from me. So I see him all the time. And Fish... I haven't seen fish in quite a while. Oh, that's nice. It's good that you've you've still kept in touch with some of them. Maybe you'll have to you'll have to reach out to fish and, and give him a shout. And uh, I've, I'm also going to try and see if I can get him on the podcast as well to have a chat with him in the future. So, but um, I think it's fair to say, Bill, that you you were one of the the favourites of Brandon throughout the 2000s. Um, a lot of people love watching you race and and love the fact that you were. It was such a good guy as well off the track, which, uh, which as a Speedway fan was always good to see. And I know whenever I spoke to you, um, he was always friendly and, and, and helpful with anything. So um, thanks for your, your time today. In particular, I know that you're, you're a busy guy. Um, how many more years do we think we're going to see uh, B. Janeiro tearing up the track in, in America? Are you going to keep going as long as Bobby Shorts? Long, but, uh, as long as I'm still having fun, you know, and uh, things are easy because... The older you get, the more your body hurts, man. And all them crashes I had years ago are starting to haunt me a little bit. So uh, as long as I'm still having fun and not too much pain, I'll be out there. Good stuff. Well, Billy, it's been great catching up with you. Thanks so much for your time today. And uh, love to uh, your family over there. hope everything gets all right through this, this COVID crisis. And uh, and we'll keep watching out for you to win this uh, right. 11th title guys. at some Thank point. Thank you, guys. Take care, man.